This is Deep Natter. In this episode, Sean is back and shares some of his thoughts and takeaways from his recent creative retreat in Tuscany. Also, I finally finished The Last of Us 2, which we've wanted to talk about literally for years. I think it's safe to say that for each of us, not only was it an incredible gaming experience, but also an example of how great storytelling and well-paced narrative can transcend mediums. Here we go. Uh, I finally finished Last of Us 2. Oh, here we go. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Should we just just say, like, if, if anyone hasn't played Last of Us 2, like huge spoiler alert so we're yeah. just going to dive into this yeah like first listen. of all it is those two games together are for my money hands down the best storytelling and narrative experience in gaming that i've ever had absolutely hands down we, we don't talk about video games and, and i wouldn't normally talk about video games yeah but to me this isn't just video games this is like masterful storytelling it really is it really is. And I know that you've, you you had been wanting to tell me about, you know, wait till you get to this and oh, and then this yeah, happens. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that I did. I had no idea how the thing ended. I mean, yes. t- two years on, I, I really yes. had to, to keep myself away from reading about how the thing ended. And yeah. man, did I not see that coming? Yeah. 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 Did yeah. not see that coming. I didn't see any of it coming. Yeah. Like, like I didn't see the first hour coming. I mean, I, I, I guess for, it's funny, I was having this conversation with someone on the weekend just trying to explain why that game, especially The Last of Us 2, is, is some of the best storytelling I've seen um, hands down. Like, I can't think of a movie that tells a story like that tells a story. Mm-hmm. And, and I love cinema. But no, no film I've watched has done to me what that game did to me. Um, I, I think maybe the only comparable thing would be like some great books I've read in my life, but I needed to spend that amount of time with characters for them to affect me like that. Yeah. Um, not really series have done that to me. Like it's, it's, it's just another, it's another level of, of, of how to tell a great story and such a clever idea. How, how yeah. much do we want to go into it? Do we want to say, I mean, it's been, two and a half years you know it's been a while obviously obviously spoiler alerts and everything we're going to absolutely ruin the game for you if you haven't played it so if you are planning on it maybe just yeah and it as much as this is not obviously as sean said as much as this is not a video game podcast i think this is an example of a video game that transcends the genre yeah we're not we're not going to switch over now we're going to pivot to game yeah right right. (laughs) next week sonic heroes volume five i don't know whatever yeah yeah. Um, we don't even know what they are we don't know what they're called (laughs) i i think i mean for me one of one of the testaments to this game other than the big twist right the the, Mm -hmm. the narrative twist was the way that they allowed or forced or enabled us to feel the tedium of having to go through wave after wave of killing people to get to that goal that Ellie had. Yeah. And then playing on the other side again, I mean, like it got to the point where you, you could, you could empathize with the character for going, Jesus, are there, how many more of these people do I have to go through to get to this person? Yeah. How much more do I have to sacrifice? How much more time do I have to put into this? Yeah. And it wasn't from a, I want the game to be over aspect at all 
it was a yeah. brilliant series of of events that paced the story. And that's another thing that I think Druckmann and the team at Naughty Dog are such masters at. It's not yeah. just balls out action all the way through the game. There there are scenes of incredible tension where you are literally white knuckling the controller and then there are periods of respite where you're just you're allowed to breathe and you're allowed to just kind of feel your way through an environment or or make your way down a street or whatever it is and then it ramps up again so it's it's not always one or the other no. there's a beautiful blend of of tension and action and reflection that all come together to make this really incredible set of stories yeah i mean the one one of those respite scenes that really stand out for me was was them exploring the old uh, museum mm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and climbing into the like space pod. Yeah. Like that was such a beautiful scene. So obviously there's like all this action, like you're saying, and, 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 and like pretty horrific violence that, that oh. you're, that you're making happen. Brutal and, and intimately yeah. brutal. It's not, it's yeah, not from yeah. a distance. No, no, no. It's in your face, visceral. It's, it's horrible. And then, and then you're, you're flashing back to a child walking through an abandoned museum, engaging with exhibits about dinosaurs and then space travel it, that feels so innocent and pure. And, and I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't you've got to have some guts to put that scene in, right? Because, yeah. because you assume that every gamer just wants to keep, you know, smashing the buttons and killing things like that that scene takes that scene takes what 20 minutes plus to play yeah, through yeah just about yeah it, it was one of my favorite things about the game is in the yeah. middle of the game you just have ellie going back to when when she was you know younger stumbling across this museum with joel mm-hmm. um, and just discovering all these exhibits you know with no no one around and and like it, it's it's so beautifully and and like that for me is like it's like a confidence of storytelling that only that team seems to have. I don't know. I mean, I don't play a lot of games, I'll admit, but like the games I do play are the narrative ones, the ones where I get to feel like I'm in a film. Those are the ones that get me. Mm-hmm. And and this one is, yeah, just streaks ahead. I mean, maybe we should say, so So when we talk about this midpoint flip, basically, and we can kind of do this without giving everything away. Basically, you play as Ellie and um, something horrific happens to her in the first hour. Uh, of the game, something which, you know, links back to the previous game and you lose a pretty significant person in your life in a, in a very horrible way, very, very in your face. And the person who perpetrates that is basically, it becomes a revenge story. You go out to get this person. So the first half of the game plays like that. And and I was like, oh, I'm on autopilot. We're playing Last of Us. Here we go. It's revenge story. Someone did something bad. I'm going to go take him out. Yeah. And then at the middle of the game, you suddenly wake up after you've been trying to track this person down and killing a bunch of people and, you know, trying to get this revenge story, you try and track this person down. You wake up suddenly in the game as the person you're chasing. Mm. Yeah. And then for the back half of the game, most of it, you're playing as this person who's done this horrific thing. And for the first hour off that flip, I'm like, I hate this. Yeah. Same. I hate this game. Why are you doing this? I don't want to be this person. Why are you making me play this, this evil individual and and like what what amazed me about that game is by the end of the game i mean it's i'm it's not giving too much away to say obviously there is the you do get that confrontation at the end of the game between those two characters i didn't know who i wanted to win same that's how that's how much by the by the end of the game playing 
in both players' shoes. You showed me something horrific at the start this person did. Then you made me play as them for the back half of the game and you you gave me empathy from them. You made me understand where their pain comes from. You made me understand why they're doing what they're doing. And even though it's horrific, it's it 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 has it has a purpose, even though it's twisted. And so's Ellie's purpose. And she's doing horrific things. So that by the end of the game, I'm like, I, I don't know anything anymore. I, yeah. I, I I'm I'm not ashamed to say like I shed a tear at the end of that game. Oh, like, same. It, it really affected me. Really, and, and there was such a they they handled they handled the switch so beautifully because you come into to playing as as this other character at at roughly the same time as let's see how how do we say it without giving it away yeah it's it you 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 start playing her as a child not as an adult. So you, you yeah. get some of the additional backstory and they, they do in fact share similar events in uh, similar yeah. events of trauma in their backstories. So it, it really does allow you, as Sean said, it really does allow you to empathize with this person to grow, to empathize with this person that you've spent the last 15 hours stalking, trying to kill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's uh, just uh, remarkable. It's, it's, it's proper genius and so brave. I mean, the amount of backlash they got for that game, like, like the reviews coming in from, 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 um, from fans who were outraged by the choices they made. Like Mm. there was a lot of bad feeling about it. Really? And, and uh, yeah, you just, I mean, it's, it have a, have a quick Google. You can, you can wallow in the cesspool that is (laughs) like forums. Um, it's just, but, but for me, I'm like, that's, that's proof again that if you if you make art for the crowd just to please people you make another game and another another you know tab a into slot b whatever it is like game that just just we know how to make a revenge story we'll just push out another one of those but it'll be these characters this time it's a forgettable game but but when you make a choice that you know will divide the room hardcore and I'm, they must have known that going in they must have known some people will hate this mm-hmm. the choices we're making and they chose to do it anyway. I, I honestly think it's one of the, it's one of the best storytelling experiences I've ever had in my life. Yeah. For for how complex I I literally use that game. Um, if if I ever find out someone's played that game, and I'm talking to them about you know they're talking to, and this happened recently, saying like oh yeah, but this person is like, you know they're definitely out to get me. They 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 seem to just have it in for me. You know my boss at work or whatever it happened to be. I, I don't want to give the specifics about who it was or what they said, obviously, but like. I basically said to them, hey, you, but you played The Last of Us, right? You know that they've got their story too. Like life, I'm, I use it as like, as like, as like a story we, we both know that teaches you that if you knew more of what someone went through, you might see what they're doing now in a different light. Because right, that's right, how right, deeply right. it affected me. It's like yeah. everyone has their stuff. And it might, it might not make, you know, the, the, the horrible things some people do excusable, but it does it does make it understandable on some level. And it, it taught me like, like everybody's a mess. Everybody's got their stuff and, and I do and everyone else does. And, and life is really, really messy. And, and I have to, and I, if I remember that it helps me to at least be open to the fact that people might have their reasons, even if I don't agree with them rather than just what video games do painting characters in black and white. This one's the goodie. That one's the baddie. That's right. what that game refused to do is like, yeah, yeah. no one is the goodie or the baddie in that game. Even the Nobody. supporting characters. 
Where, where there was that same sort of ambiguity in the supporting cast. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's interesting that you, that you use that, that aspect of it and, and the making of it. I mean, we've talked many times about, you know, one of the goals in making art and you've, you've brought this up in, in relation to comedy is walking half the room. Yeah. And having that courage to stand behind what you're making, knowing that not everyone else is going to like it. Mm-hmm. It's funny, isn't it? Because we, we had an email come into our uh, oh, Dean yeah. at Gmail <laughs> <laughs> on this. It's um, very, very nice stuff. Said, well, I mean, I'm like, you know, someone took the time to sort of write some thoughtful stuff. But one of the comments this, this person made was, oh, I played your show to a friend of mine because I like the podcast. I thought he'd like the podcast. I played it to him and he didn't get it at all. And I'm wondering if you poll your audience to find out whether they like the show or not. And I thought that was such an odd. It's a strange request, question. isn't it? It's a really odd thing to ask because yeah. I think it it comes with the assumption, like we're saying, that the reason you make something is to appeal to the widest group possible. And and I don't do that. I mean, well, I, patently, I, I patently don't do that. Yeah, like, I think like, you and I have mastered the art of no, not appealing to the widest groups possible. <laughs> We've mastered the niche. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and like, because like, I think you and I are wired very similarly in that we wouldn't be able to keep making it if 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 we didn't believe in it or, or make it the way we wanted to. We just no. wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah, no, we, no, no. We no. completely lose motivation. We wouldn't bother anymore. So this idea that like we would take a poll to work out who wants us to do what, and then we'll just do what do what the mass want you to do. And you have to do that. I understand why that's a good business model, but it's a terrible artistic model, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because you end up making middle of the road crap because it appeals broadly, but it doesn't really say much. Like I would rather you and I sit and have a conversation on on this podcast and talk about a video game that probably alienate half the audience because we found it really compelling because some people might go, wow, that's really interesting. Then like, go, well, maybe we should talk about Fuji cameras. Do you know right. what I mean? Because that would yeah. appeal to more photographers and we both know that we bring in photographers. Like it, it just wouldn't make sense. I, I just thought it was a really bizarre comment. I yeah, that's I do most too. People think. I mean, I, th- I think there's a parallel too of, of you know, you just got back from your, your workshop slash retreat slash creative experience. And, and there again, you could have done exactly what 90% of all of the other photo in quotes workshops mm-hmm. are doing and appealed yeah. to, to that group of people. But instead you went, hold on a minute. What if we do something a little different? What, what if we, what if we don't give you tasks and takeaways and, and tips and techniques? But let's instead engage and have conversations about art and about creativity or not. And let's see what comes out of that. And, and from what you said, you know, we had a brief conversation about it. It was better than you could imagine. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it was amazing. It was, uh, I mean, the idea with the retreat was, was to have a proper retreat. I mean, I didn't have workshop anywhere in, in, the way we talked about this or advertised it because it's not a workshop. Was there no swag bag at the end? (laughs) There was a swag bag at the beginning, but it was nothing to do with photography. Um, Oh, it was really sweet actually. So my friend Vlad put the bag. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about that as well. And say, but like the idea was retreat. So it's, it's, it's taking a step out of daily life to create space for yourself 
Mm -hmm. so that you could take care of yourself in the way that you need to do some thinking, to work out where you're going next. It's it's that empty and loose. And our job, we, we kind of taught Vlara and I and Jenny, who was the yoga instructor, we sort of talked between us and said, it's our job to hold the space for these guys. Right. Um, so that they can come in and we, we make sure that we take care of everything. So once you get off the plane, like all transportation is taken care of, all your accommodation, all your food is taken care of, everything is sorted so you can just spend time and, and take care of yourself. That's, that's what our commitment to you is. And I, I admit, like going into it, I was like, I'm not sure everyone will get it mm-hmm. because, because there's an expectation. I'm not naive enough to think there's not an expectation that comes with with spending a week with me yeah. in that i mean I, I, it's it's the same as like i've got a couple of one star reviews for the meaning and the making on amazon and it's for from people who go uh write in comments going like i can't believe this book there's not a single photography tip in it it's like how many times can i market this book correctly to you the description's right there this is not a photography book but they don't look at that they don't look at the description they just assume oh you're the photography guy so you must tell me about photography and i'm not going to read descriptions you must just that's the only thing you're allowed to do but can, and, can i interject here yeah you're not the photography guy well i know that but in people's heads i am i mean it's it's mind numbing to me that that there there is a a group of people who go Sean Tucker Scott Kelby. Yep. Same thing. I, I know. I know. But it's kind of my fault because, I mean, most of the stuff that people find me on on YouTube are the photography tutorials because they're searching for questions to answers about photography. I know that. I'm not naive about that. But right. yeah, I mean, the people who do understand what I'm doing know that I'm not really about the photography. I'm about the other stuff. I'm about the why and the creative journey. That's far more interesting to me. But yeah, I do pull people in with the photography stuff from time to time. So I'm, I'm not being disingenuous with that. I understand it's part of it, but it's, and I thought to myself, how terrible would it be if someone winds up on that retreat and goes, well, this isn't a workshop and now I'm stuck with them for a <laughs> right. week. It'd be a nightmare. It'd be an absolute What am I nightmare. supposed to do with these speed lights, Sean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, you know, like what camera should I bring? Seriously? Like I need to know, do you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh gosh, we're, we're going to be in trouble. But every single one of them got it. They, they all understood I what this that. was about. I love that. They, 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 they taken time with the website. They, they had listened to me talk about, they understood what it was and they all came to do a a proper retreat. And it was great. So we gave them, um, we gave them journals, like these welcome packs had journals in them and uh, a bunch of questions. So I, I I put together a hundred self-reflection questions. Wow. Um, We got them to do the um, Enneagram personality test each and gave them descriptions for that as well. And some of the the questions related to their Enneagram descriptions. That was it. Like I said, here's what we're doing. Otherwise, we've just got, you know, breakfast at eight, lunch at one, dinner at eight. That's when the meals are happening. Uh, we, we might play some documentaries in the evening, which by the way, we never got, we only got round to playing one because everyone was just having such a good time chatting. We didn't want to break it up. It was great. What a lovely problem to have. Right. We're like, there's, there's two gyms here. We're going to have yoga in the mornings. If you want to, uh, we're going to go on walks. We're going to go visit the towns and, uh, the swimming pools out there. You just take the time you need with yourself, uh, to, to, to think about where you're going and what you want out of life. And then they could book one-to-one sessions with myself and with Vlar throughout the week so that they'd have someone to sit down to with for at least an hour to unpack everything that was going on within a confidential setting in a way that they could sort of set themselves up going forward. Right, 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 right. And it was just, it was just great. I mean, it was honestly like we got to the closing circle, uh, on the last day 
And everyone sort of shared a bit about what that week had meant to them. And I decided I was going to read the benediction from The Meaning in the Making to close off our time together. And I, I almost didn't get through it. Like I was, I was like a, a, a wreck by the end of it. Mm. Because, because people have been sharing things that they were going through and everyone came to that week wounded in some way, you know? Because everyone is. Yeah, sure, sure. And and working through things and trying to work out how to get back to the things that they love doing. And and every little paragraph in that in that ending, in that benediction, meant something to someone in the room. I knew that because I'd spent time with each of them one on one through the week. And I was just like I was I was in tears. And it was like it was beautiful for me because I was a pastor again. Mm. Like in the best way possible. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. not, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to convert you to anything. I just want to take care of people. And like, it felt, I can't tell you how good that felt. Like it was, it was getting back to, I feel like I've, I've taken 10 years to get back to where I was wow. and, but on my own terms. And that feels amazing. Yeah. Like if I could just work with small groups like this, um, for the for the foreseeable future in this in this way in this in-depth way like i would be a i would die a very happy man that would two, be two questions incredible mm. uh first one w- without giving too much away and being specific obviously about about what was said mm. w- was there uh any sort of common theme that ran through those one-on-ones with mm. you and the guests I think confidence came up over and over again, mm-hmm. um, like a lack of confidence in their own work or direction came up again and again for people, um, doubting themselves. I mean, I know mm-hmm. you won't mm-hmm. understand this, Jeffrey. Like, no, <laughs> no, I, I, I've just, heard tell of this, yeah, but, yeah. some people uh, no. struggle with this. Stuff, no, self, like, yeah. self-confidence yeah. is, is one of my superpowers. I have many. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that that did come up a lot. I would say um, just direction as well. Yeah. Direction in terms of what do I what do I point these these skills at? What do I mm-hmm, point mm-hmm. this this artistic drive at? How do how do I communicate? How do I work out what I want to say? Comes up a lot as well. Yeah, I think. But again, like I I, I could have anticipated that before because it's the stuff I struggle with, and it's the yeah, stuff sure. everyone else struggles with. It's the things that people talk about in response to videos. So yeah, it was a, it was a lot of those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I have decided that I have to step away from the propaganda. I have to change the mm-hmm. focus of my work because it's it's too, it I, I I get too easily dragged down by the subject matter of my own work. Tell me about that because that's that's really interesting. Um. Okay. Have, let, you, let's, have you always felt like that? Well, not always, but I think with the propaganda stuff, it's I gravitate to that type of material. But with the way the world is right now and with my sort of mental state, the way it is right now, I don't think the two of those can share space at the moment. That's fair. I think I need to take a break from it and get back to, and that's what these little color studies that I I posted the first one on Instagram, these little color studies are just texture and color. That's it. They're fun. I already saw someone wanting to buy them. Yeah, right. It's funny, right? cool. Um, and they are a way for me to still get the, the, the creative satisfaction out of what I'm doing and still get to play with the same kind of materials and techniques and processes that I have continued to try and refine. But if I take that, that 
main sort of narrative out of it, two things happen. Number one, it's, it's better for my mental health as a, as a maker. And I think it will allow a, a broader appeal for, for whom uh, the propaganda is also heavy as a viewer, you know, mm-hmm. in that way. Do you know, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Can, can I ask you something though? Yeah, because sure. I, I'm wondering if you, did you gravitate towards, because I think my assumption was, is you gravitated towards propaganda as much because of the aesthetic as the subject matter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I can't separate it at the moment. Yeah. You know, I can't, I, I, I just, I need to take a break from it from a, for a little while. I looked at some of the recent pieces that I've done, like the, the, the one of the guy in the wheelchair and, and yeah, 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 yeah. It's dark. It's dark. It's dark. Yeah. And I, I know that came out of a particular, I guess, period. I don't know. <laughs> that's lasted for 37 years. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but I just wanted to try something different again. It's, it's, it's kind of continuing on this, this thing of putting this idea of putting mental health first that, that Martin helped me realize. Mm. And, and it's one of the reasons I was so interested in, in hearing how the retreat went both from the standpoint of, of the people who, who attended it. But also my second question was going to be to you is has, has the, has the experience of this retreat had an effect on how you see a potential care practice or mental health practice for you, what that looks like in the future. As in me offering that for people? Yeah. Does it, does it affect, uh, yeah. How you're going to approach your own practice, Uh, the type of setting that you might offer or the Uh, type of things that you might, that you might offer for, for, uh, patients to, to experience. I don't know. It just seems like you had, just in the in the in the brief conversation that we had when you got back, you could hear it in your voice that you had such a great time here, and it was so beyond what you were letting yourself expect. Yeah, I I think, I mean, I think we nailed it out the gate. Mm. I don't know if that's because we got really lucky with the group of people we had, and if it would always be that way. Because I think it's so dependent on the group of people you get, mm-hmm. whether they get what you're doing. I think if you got a couple of people who didn't, it could really ruin it. Um, but I, I think, I think, I mean, we've already booked the same place for June and September next year to do Mm. two more. So these will become like regular annual things. But again, like I said, I mean, you know, I, I, I will be back to studying in September, studying counseling. I think, I think in the long run, I would like to sort of bring it all together and be offering mentoring for creative people. Mm-hmm. would be would be great or oh, it doesn't have to be creative people i suppose but i think that's probably where where i'm stronger positioned because of the things i've talked about for years so yeah i i, I get and that could be one-on-one and I, I do want to get back to offering one-on-ones with people um and these retreats so yeah i think it kind of it was more a it was more a confirmation that i'm on the right track i suppose yeah. Yeah. Is a way to put it. You know, it's me. T- I, all I kept saying, anyone who asked me before I left, going, you know, how, are, you ex- are you excited for the retreat? Are you excited for the retreat? And I just said, look, I, I'll tell you when I get back. I just need to know that it works and that mm-hmm. it's valuable for people because. Mm-hmm. I, and I kept saying to Vla beforehand, I feel like we should be doing more stuff for these people. We should be adding. He's like, trust me, it's not how these things work. And I know that in my head. I just, I, I was, it, it was fear. I didn't trust myself, and I didn't trust the people who were coming, which wasn't fair. Um, but I realized actually next time I need to do less 
we didn't plan very much, but we need to plan even less next time and just create mm. proper space for people and trust that they know how to use it. And, and, and it's all you need to do then is to be there for them, to create the spaces for them to have those in-depth conversations with you, but also with each other. I mean, I, I, I am fully aware that a few people left and, and I wasn't the thing that gave them something useful to go home with that week. It was a conversation they had with somebody else on that retreat. Mm. That, that One of the other attendees. Absolutely. Yeah, they completely yeah, yeah. changed their mind about something or sent them off in a new direction. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And and it's people who you've made friends for life with, you know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, we've got our little WhatsApp group. It still hasn't stopped going. We just did it to like, you know, make sure we could keep in touch with each other on the retreat, but it's still going now. We're still sending each other pictures and asking how they're doing and wanting to see their new piece of work. And I love that. That's to me, proper, proper community. Mm -hmm. Um, and if those, if that's the outcome from these retreats in the future, I mean, that's, that's brilliant for them and brilliant for me. Yeah. You know, I need that. It's, it's, it's just great all around. Well, and I think it's, it's a testament your, your approach to it is what can I bring to this? Not what can I get from it? Yeah. Yeah. How can I be of service to, to this group of people who have put their trust in, in, in me and in Vlar to, as you said, to create this space that's that's safe, that is um, supportive, that is hopefully, maybe even inspiring on some level. Um, and I, I, I think, man, I just, I'm so glad that it turned out better than you could have hoped. I really am. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier. I think it's, uh, I'm just, I'm just very grateful that it's, that it is what it is. And we, we got that group, uh, on that first one, just to sort of confirm that it's the right direction to go. And I'm excited for the future ones now, you know, I'm, I'm keen to see where this, where this can go. Mm -hmm. It'd be, it, it's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really good. And also, you know, we can, pro we can definitely develop these as we go as well and think about changes that we're going to make. We're going to ask everyone who, who, who went to give us feedback and make sure that we're taking all that on board um, and working out how to tweak these, but it really is tweaking. It really is just trusting, trusting the space rather than trying to fill it, you know? Yeah. Does it change or, or do you, maybe do you not, not, maybe there hasn't been a change yet, but do you, do you start to feel a change in, in terms of your relationship to your photography relative to pursuing this different direction in, in counseling? Do you, is there a weight that's starting to shift in terms of, of where you should be going and what you should be doing? Not yet, just because, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in a real state of flux at the moment anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, like my, without giving specifics, my, my whole financial situation has changed a lot in the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. all because of things outside of my control. Like yeah. I've taken massive hits because of, uh, changes with YouTube, um, changes with, with Brexit and, and shipping books to Europe. Like I'm really having to think forward. I, I, I didn't make a lot of money from this retreat. So it's not like I'm sitting here going, Oh, this is a good money maker or anything like that. Right. Right. Um, it, 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 it might be in the future, but it's definitely not at the moment. So that's not in terms of career stuff. I've, I'm kind of, I've got a bunch of things in front of me. I'm not sure how to put that mix together to sustain me properly. Um, and I, I, I guess it's just one day at a time and keep going. I mean, I'm not in any immediate danger financially or anything like that. It's just, it's just the writing is definitely on the wall and I need to, 
I need to just be aware. But if I get to choose, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to not back off the photography at all. I think I've talked on this podcast, I think, about just changing the focus to doing more story-driven stuff mm -hmm. and producing them in sort of more kind of zine format, which is writing and photography. That's the next challenge I want to take on with the photography side. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I, but otherwise, no, I, I don't want to take the, my foot off the gas with that. It's just, uh, I, I guess it's the practicalities, isn't it? Do I, do I completely shift career and photography becomes the thing I do because I love it on the side again, that I don't have to worry about financially and I do it all on my own terms? Or do I still need to work out ways to help make it pay the bills? You know, do I, do I go back to product photography? I mean, right, kill me, right. but you know, do I, do I, do I, do I, do I go to wedding photography? Do I, you know what I mean? Like in the long run, I don't really, I mean, hopefully it doesn't get that drastic. I'd rather wait tables, I think, but it, you know, it, it might, it, it might be that I have to, you know, go back to working out how do I just make money with a camera so that it's a tool again. It's not going to be creative if I go back to product photography. It's just going to be serving a client, producing the images they want according to their brief, and it's going to be a technical exercise every time. But yeah, I'll be able to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I've got I've got way more questions than answers right now. Yeah, and same, it's just one same. day at a time, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, I don't I don't know anyone who is in the, the sort of freelance creative side of things. I don't know anyone who feels like they're on stable ground at the moment. No, it's a, it's a difficult time, isn't it? Even people who have been historically on stable ground, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's shifting quite dramatically and I don't, I'm not smart enough or insightful enough to see around the bend, um, no. you know, and, and looking at my past, marketing and social media use i'm i am by no means the person to look to for answers but um something i think has to break i think i think we are i think we are facing some sort of shift some sort of pretty dramatic shift because yep. too many people are being affected in 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 very dramatic ways for it not to shift if that makes sense for it not to have to change yeah and this is the point where it gets tempting. And I, I am watching some of my peers start to get desperate about trying to keep eyeballs on what they're doing. And mm -hmm. I think making compromises in their work, they're going to regret. And I've just always resisted that. I've always been, I, I refuse to sell out is the right word because I think it's legitimate for you to, to, to treat your art as just your business. If that's what you choose. Um, if you, if you decide that the reason you make videos on YouTube, for example, is just to make money and you don't really care what you make, I can't judge that. If, if that's what you do for a business, then, I mean, if you, how's it different from being a plumber or anything else? If that's what you want to do, do it. It's not a moral issue, mm -hmm. but I, but for me, I don't want to do that. I, I do want to, in fact, I came back from this retreat more determined than ever to dig in on the, on the videos I believe in. And slowly kill the other stuff because the good thing about things taking a dive the way they have is I don't really have much to lose. Yeah, you know, it's like well, it's already going that way. It's not like I'm I'm killing growth. Growth stopped a while ago anyway, so slowed right down at least. So I can just go well. This is what I am. Take it or leave it. And if I need to make money, I'm going to have to do that another way because I'm not going to turn this into gear reviews, for example. Right, right, right. Because for me, that would that would feel like a mistake. And I'm not judging anyone else who who 
who who makes those changes. I think some of them will regret it, but I get it. I completely get it, of course. Is there a way that you, well, and maybe there's no way to know this, but I wonder if there's a way to to monetize the videos in terms of making making your videos part of your own your own sort of network where people subscribe monthly and get access to all of your videos rather than going to a YouTube where everything yeah. is assumed to be free maybe you create something bespoke that you and and maybe you bring in other people who whose work you find inspiring as well and it becomes this you know, using the podcast network as an example, uh, like Luminary or or something like that, where there's a monthly fee that that grants you access to all of your videos and then the the partner videos that you bring in. Yeah, I mean, I've thought about all those. I've thought about you know, I do two videos a month at the moment. I thought about maybe just doing like you know, like one for them, one for Patreon kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So you only get you get half the videos from me. I I I don't think that'll help really. So I've kind of shied away from it because honestly, I think the way people consume stuff online is it's just seen as valueless. It's all it's all given to me for free. So if this guy wants me to pay for his extra video, I'll just go watch somebody else's because somebody's giving something away for free that'll kill ten minutes. Right. Well, and that, people don't you, really care enough. That's it. You just said it. It's something something else will kill ten minutes, and that's yeah. all many people are looking for is just. I'm sitting here for a few minutes and I want to be entertained or I want to be yeah. uh, taken away from what I'm currently thinking about or working on. And, and it doesn't really matter what it is. No, no, no judgment. I do it. You know, I can't I do complain it too. about it. That's yeah. how I, that's sometimes how I use YouTube is I'm like, Oh, I've got 15 minutes till this call. It's coming up. I'm going to just find a random video to kill 15 minutes. I, I absolutely do the same thing, but there are also, and it's a very small handful of people, but I care when they post a video because I care about them. It's not the vast majority of stuff I engage with online, but there are those few. And yeah, I reckon it's, I mean, we keep bringing up Jack Lowe and I still need to do this video because I've got the footage from him mm-hmm. and cut it together. But, uh, you know, his model of, well, kill the big number and whittle it right down to that very, very small core audience you have who really care about what you're doing enough to support it and make it happen and just show them that stuff. It's it's so antithetical to the to the the drive for big numbers these yeah. days. It's seen is seen as value, although it often doesn't translate monetarily. Yeah, and but, to be fair, it's not going to work for everyone. No, it won't. No, you're right. And I think it works better for somebody like Jack, who did have his Instagram up to twenty five thousand and was able to have that small core of that twenty five thousand come across. Right. If you only have a hundred followers on Instagram. Who's your core and are they going to support you? Probably not. So I'm not, I'm not being disingenuous and saying that I, I, I understand that it would be easier for me to make that jump because enough people know about what I do. Most of them don't care, but there are a little core in there that, that might care enough to support me, that it would be much harder to start that way. I, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Who, who I, is it? I, oh, I we were know. talking, we were talking the other day. Is it John Pav- Pavlovitz? John Pavlovitz. Yeah. Yep. Got him here. Yeah. So he's got this this network that he has started, and it is called. He's a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's got a new book out called "If God Is Love, Don't Be a Jerk." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think I've taken everything from that book. I need it's yeah advice. <laughs> 
but he, he's got this new social network that they have started that's called empatheticpeople.com. Uh, the, the little tagline is a safe place for kind humans and it's its own oh, cool. social network. Every time I see something about it, I'm like, why that, that fits so well for you. You know, some, some sort of membership platform where it doesn't even have to be limited to being creative. Uh, it's, it's just people who are tired of the noise and want something a little more authentic. Again, I, like you said, I've just, I feel like we're in the middle of a huge shift right now that I, th- I don't think a lot of people are aware of, but especially the people who are involved online are, are definitely aware of it first. We're kind of canaries down the coal mine. And I, I reckon that we're all looking around trying to work out what comes next. And it's going to take a few brave people like Jack to try something very, very different for us to find a way forward. Um, and, and a lot of us will lose a lot by doing it, but I, I, there's gotta be a next thing because, you know, artists still need to, to make stuff and get supported for what they make. There has to be a new way to do that. Seeing as, you know, social media is not that anymore or less and less that every day. But was it ever, I mean, if we're being honest, was it, do you think it ever was? Yeah. I mean, I I can't, I can't pretend it didn't work for me for a while. You know, I, I did manage to make films post them on YouTube that by and large were exactly the films I wanted to make. I didn't have to compromise too much. I did, I did build an audience to a size where yes, I, I could support myself financially. I did all I needed to do in a year was post an image on Instagram every day and make, make two videos a month. And that was my job. It did work. Um, I, I, that I know I'm, I'm, I'm a, a rarer case. I'm sure thousands and thousands of people try that. It doesn't work for them, but it did work for, for a, for a small number. Yeah. I just hope we find a way for it to work better for more people. Um, and, and, and also so that you don't feel you have to, you don't feel you have to make stuff you don't like or don't believe in, because again, you're trying to make it for the widest possible audience. Right. I did find that by the way, it's, uh, here, uh, empathetic people network is a heart on sleeve global community of like-hearted human beings who believe that empathy is the better path and who are deeply burdened to make the planet kinder, more generous, and more loving than they found it. I love it, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, I think there is space to do things like that, to create those communities. I mean, coming off the, this retreat, like I, I can feel the flavor of what that community would be like if I started it just from those, those people who came. Mm-hmm. And that, that feels like a really good, healthy, supportive, mature adult uh, space, you know, between people from very different walks of life who become friends and, and, and help each other where they need it. Yeah. I mean, the lovely thing was, is like, you know, if, if I think this retreat brought up things for different people at different points and sometimes someone would just go and sit on their own just because they needed a bit of space, but it, it often wasn't me who went and checked how they were. It was someone else on the retreat. Everyone took on the role of taking care of each other, um, which was lovely to see. You yeah. Know? Well, and I, I it's got to be sort of the, the best aspects of church without church for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Without, without, you know, yelling at somebody cause they smoked or something dumb. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's, no open toed uh, shoes on stage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord doesn't like toes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, the, and I love that. I think, I think there's so much more space for, um, there's a need for that kind of stuff. I did a, I did a meetup in Rome 
on the Sunday uh, after the retreat, which I sometimes do. If I go to cities, I'll just throw something up on Instagram and say, you know, I'm in this square between 10 and 12 and I'll be having a coffee if you want to come past and say hi. And about 20 people showed up and it just reminded me that, that the best of what we do comes out of, um, I mean, it actually has people on the other end of it and it makes a difference in their life and connects them with other people. I always say to them, you know, the point to, of coming to these meetups is not to meet me, even though you might think that's why you're coming. The point is to meet each other because you all live in the same city and you're probably interested in photography. You'll probably make two or three friends here and you might go out shooting regularly and become people who journey together. And that happens often. And I love that stuff. That's proper, proper community. And I mean, to do with this podcast, funny enough, someone came to the meetup on Sunday who uh, pulled me aside at one point and said, I want to show you the first photograph I uploaded to Instagram. And it was with the hashtag seen from home. Do you remember those? With Martin. Sure. Love it. So yeah. So Martin Rotz, who you've heard from the last two episodes, he came up with this idea. During that first lockdown, Jeffrey and I started doing Instagram lives. I mean, you could argue this podcast came out of that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we just started chatting just to keep people entertained during when they felt stuck at home and lonely and isolated. And one of the, the idea that Martin came up with was how about we start this hashtag on Instagram uh, scene from home. And, you know, people just started taking images in their own houses. So taking the limitation of not being able to go outside and take photographs of the things that they wanted to and actually uh, take images where they could, which is around the house, find the, find the interesting corners of light. Um, and this person said to me, yeah, this is the first image I, I took getting into photography. And it was because you guys started this hashtag. And now they've got a, an Instagram account with a bunch of followers and a bunch of great images on there. And they're building themselves a reputation as a photographer because of a little thing you and I did jumping online. And that's the best of what social media can be. Yeah. All these things yeah. that we do can be is, is it's, uh, and I've, ju I've just looked it up now and that scene from home, hashtag scene from home now has uh, over 30,000 posts. Isn't that incredible? When That's you amazing. Think about, when you think about that, it's like we do a tiny, you do a tiny thing and there are real people. This is why I do the meetups to remind me that there are real people on the other end of the thing that I do. I don't just sit on my couch and talk to a camera and upload to YouTube and that's it. There's real people. We don't just sit here and talk about games right. and then upload a podcast because we're having fun. That there are other people on the end of it and it means something to them at different levels and it connects them with, with us and with each other. And I mean, that's the only reason to do this stuff, right? And and I, I, it's so dumb I have to keep reminding myself that. But you're right. There's There's got to be ways to be more intentional about making it about that good stuff and not mm -hmm. the, the kind of stupid social media game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if only we can see ahead, you know, and see mm -hmm. what that is. I, I think if I'm being completely honest, I think you've tapped into something with this retreat and, and there is so much room for you to expand upon that, whether it becomes a more regular events, which it sounds like you're pursuing already, uh, or, or B some sort of extent, uh, extended online community as a result of it. Um, man, I, I think there is something there for you, for you and, and for people who listen to this show, like-minded people who are looking for something beyond just being on that hamster wheel every day, nonstop. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, it's going to take a little more than that. 
<laughs> I'm going to squeeze really hard though. <laughs> <laughs> White knuckle, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we let you go, I wanted to include Sean reading the benediction that he used to close out his recent retreat in Tuscany. It's from his book, The Meaning in the Making, which you can find wherever you find books or on his website. And it is also available as an audiobook as well. So here's Sean reading the benediction from The Meaning in the Making. If you had found yourself years ago, sitting and listening to me wrap up a talk in a church, I would have ended with a benediction of sorts. In the original Latin, bene just means well, and diction comes from the Latin dicere, which means say. So if done right, a benediction isn't just an empty ritual, but rather a speaker wishing the listeners well after they've spent some time talking about important things. In some older traditions, a benediction takes the form of a series of may you statements in an effort to make the message personal to you. So as we close our time together, I'm going to use that simple ancient formula to send you on your way with some good words, some well wishes, and if you'll allow me, maybe even a blessing. So, my fellow maker, may you join with the billions of creative human voices throughout history and attempt to pull order from chaos in the small ways you can manage. May you find ways to tell the capital T truth and to fill your work with Logos. May you make a habit of taking deep creative in-breaths by carving out generative mental space in order to hear the quiet voices of the muses. May you take the challenge to become an autodidact and build a curriculum of creative voices for yourself which will inflame your imagination. May you continue to fearlessly face yourself and the journey you've been on, and to roll as much of your story into your work as you're willing, so that your unique creative voice can emerge. May you learn to dance well with your ego, and use it to give you the confidence and tenacity to make the things you believe in. May you let go of your need to control how your work is received, and choose instead to focus simply on doing the very best work you can. May you find the courage to release what you make into the world, where it has the chance to bring comfort and joy to others. May you find the strength to face your own neediness and drive for approval, so that your motivation to make is never tied to the acceptance you receive. May you learn to recognize the specter of creative envy when it rears its ugly head. And may you practice generosity with your compliments and free yourself from the imagined competition. May you learn to tune out the general noise of responses to your work and look instead for feedback from informed and caring commentators. May you have the modesty to accept compliments with grace and the humility to learn from even the most pointed criticisms if they come from trusted sources. May you invest in relationships and find artists you can both learn from and journey with as you push each other to become the best versions of yourselves. May you find a mentor you respect who can be your guide. And may you never forget to turn around and offer the same to others. May you come to trust your feelings and believe that they will lead you toward new avenues of expression. And may you find a balance with your rational mind so that there is stability and consistency in your making. May you embrace your shadows, both those that surface within you and those you pass through. And may you fold them into the things you make in order to present us with a richer, more nuanced view of life. 
May you protect your highlights and remember to celebrate your growth as an artist and accept yourself as fundamentally good. May your work ultimately point us toward the light. May you discover your deep joy by paying attention to those creative pursuits and subjects that compel you and use them as compass bearings to explore as you travel onward. May you find ways to point your deep joy at the world's deep hunger so as to remake broken connections with the things you create. May you learn to be patient with yourself and set your sights on the long road ahead, understanding that building anything worthwhile takes time. May you find ever more meaning in your making. Subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris, everything in your favorite podcast app and support the show by leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen or by sharing the episode on social media. You can help support everything I do directly by tapping the donate button at jeffreysedoris.com. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. And thank you very much to those of you who have done just that. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K on his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. And a reminder, if you haven't picked up a copy yet, his book, The Meaning and the Making, is available wherever you buy books. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram, at Jeffrey Sidoris. And you can connect with both of us by sending an email or a voice message to deepnatter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. As always, thanks very much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll come back for the next one.